When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like seas billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the Well, good morning, church, and I would like to say that it is great to see all of you this morning, but I'll have to settle for it's great for all of you to be able to see me. 
And I want to take a moment to thank all of you who have been uh, joining in in the times of worship together this past Wednesday and again this morning. I realize that some of you will not be able to do that at the prescribed times that we have asked, those exact times. However, I, uh, I encourage you to do all that you can to sanctify those hours of prayer and worship which we call for so that we might all be as much as possible united in our hearts specifically during those times. It meant a great deal to me to get the feedback from so many of you concerning the video Bible study presentation for Wednesday. Now most of you probably could guess this uh, or know it already, but I am uh, very resistant to this type of thing as far as a substitute for church. Uh, but as we have agreed to do our part over these two weeks and try to help stop the spread by not meeting in large groups, then this has proven to be a help, I really believe. And still, I'm looking forward to seeing this place filled again when we can all come together back into the church house as a family real soon and uh, pray that it may be so. With that, before we begin the message this morning, I want to pause right here and pray with you and uh, encourage you to pray along with me. And I want to pray this morning, uh, simply begin by thanking God for His goodness and His mercy. And I want to pray for more of God in my life as well as in your life right now. Uh, pray for more of God in our hearts and more of God in our homes during this season. And I want to pray uh, for this time of sickness to pass. Let's join in praying for that, that it will soon be over and that the Lord might see fit to deliver us from this evil that we are facing. I want to pray for the peace of your soul. I want to pray for the peace of my soul. I want us all to abide in that peace of Jesus this morning. So let's join together now uh, in prayer this way. Our Father, we bow before you together now. I here in this sanctuary, tomorrow morning as we all meet together at a time of prayer and we listen together, Lord, I ask that you would bless us today to realize that in spite of anything and everything that may be going on, God, you are good. Your goodness and your mercy is everlasting. Your truth endureth to all generations. And God, we thank you this morning for who you are. Thank you for being so good, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sustaining us. And Lord, this morning I pray that each and every one of us will determine and fix it upon our hearts that we will find more time, more space for you in our lives during these days. Lord, help us to make more room for you in our hearts, in our homes, in our families. God, I pray that as we go through this time and as we come out the other side of it, that we will have learned something of a greater dependence on you. And we'll have also learned something of a greater appreciation for our church, for the ability, the opportunity to gather together. Lord, it is not a great thing to be separated. It is not a great thing that we can't assemble because the Bible teaches us that this is your way, your plan for your church. But right now we are in this time and may we grow in appreciation for that day that is to come when we will once again unite together physically in this place of worship, in the house of, of prayer. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would see fit to shorten this season, that this sickness would soon pass. We hear of people that are diagnosed with the sickness. We hear of others. We know others have still battling flu and lots of other things. But God, may this season soon pass, but not until you have accomplished all that you intend to accomplish in our lives. And as this morning's message, I believe, will reveal to us there is a purpose in what we are going through right now. 
Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from the evil of our day. God, deliver us from the evil of false information, the evil of lies, the evil of things that would disturb our peace, that would keep our, or take our minds off of you, rather. But Lord, deliver us from that and help us to be sustained in, in setting our heart, fixing our heart upon you, Lord. Bless each family that's listening now. God, may it soon be that we will come together in this place once more. And until then, may the peace of God rule in our hearts. May the peace of God rule in our homes. And God, may we daily and hourly and as needed, may we recommit, may we re-consecrate our hearts, our minds, our thoughts to you so that we might abide in Jesus and abide in peace. I pray this in Jesus' name through the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Well, yesterday morning I was away, uh, took a few of the men uh, on Thursday, actually. We left and went to Linville Gorge for a short but intense uh, backpack camping trip. And the highlight of that trip was the time that we all spent down uh, on the Linville River on Thursday evening. And we all went down, kind of separated, found a place where we could sit. We spent about an hour down there by the river just praying and trying to seek the Lord and set our hearts on God. And I gave the men some specific things to think and pray about and ask God about. And then, of course, uh, uh, you know, Friday morning, yesterday morning, well, I guess it'll be two mornings ago by the time you're watching, but uh, I got up and I went back down to the river to find me a place where I could just spend some more time with the Lord. And I really wanted that. I needed that. And uh, that, that, that was such a help to me. I was specifically asking about today's message during that time and asking the Lord uh, to show me what He wanted for uh, for preaching, to give to you. What's his message for our church today? And the Lord led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And that's where I'm going to preach from this morning. And I want to read all of this, uh, this chapter. And I want to share some comments along the way, but then I want to bring it to the message. And it all goes together. It all builds. But before I read, I want to give you the bottom line up front. As I sat there, and I read this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the Lord began to speak to my heart about this thought right here. There is a reason for this season. In other words, I, I would subtitle this thought, this message today, Why the Coronavirus Has Come. Now, I know that might sound strange. It might sound, I don't know, dramatic or like, uh, you know, hyping something up. And it's not that at all. As I sat there by that river and praying about this, the Lord spoke to my heart through this chapter of there's a reason for this season. And of course, I know that sounds a little Christmassy, the reason for the season. But maybe in a time like this, uh, we could use a little nugget of reminder, a little uplifting uh, to remember happier times like the Christmas season. But what I'm saying is the Lord showed me as I sat on that rock by the river this, that there is a purpose in this. There is a reason for this which the church must see and no, God doesn't waste anything. And if he's allowed something to happen, he does it for a reason. It's not wasted. And so this morning I want to show you why I believe this outbreak of the coronavirus is happening. All right, are you ready? So let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now church leaders, church leaders specifically, I want you to notice verse 1 and 2. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, 
nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What a ministry this is that God has given us. It is more glorious than the old covenant. We are, as he writes in chapter 3, verse 6, able ministers of the New Testament. Every leader in the church today, every leader right now in this time that we're in, pastors, deacons, Sunday school teachers, you have a ministry right now that you ought to be engaged in with all your heart. And I tell you, in order to do that, we must receive His mercy and faint not. In other words, get after it. Well, what is that ministry? We're to renounce the dishonest things. And I, you know and I know that there's a lot of stuff floating around that are just simply dishonest things that will lead people down the wrong path, that will stir people up in the wrong way. But hey, we have been given a ministry to renounce that which is dishonest, uh, but then to refuse ourselves to divert from the truth. We are to walk not in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully, but in a manifestation of the truth. We are to refuse in this day to divert from the truth. We're to report for duty as faithful servants of God. So I say to you, church leaders, this time, this season that we are in is a time for you to step forward and do what God has called you to do. Christians, pay attention to verse 3 through 6. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, every one of us must remember this. We are in a time that is ripe for witnessing. And I hope that we'll all be on the lookout for those opportunities. And I'm going to admit it. I miss, I miss so many opportunities because of the hurry and the hustle about but I've got to slow down, and I've got to pay attention, and I've got to listen, and I've got to look because someone is genuinely concerned and looking for hope right now. Someone that I'm going to cross a path with, someone that you're going to cross a path with. Remember 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We must be ready for that. And the only way to be ready for that is to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. So here verse 7 then tells us everything is about Him. Now watch this. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Back in February during our deacon's appreciation dinner I spoke to all our deacons and their wives about their service, their ministry from this passage right here. And, uh, and in this verse in particular. Because when you consider all that verse 1 through 6 ask of us to be faithful, to be truthful, to be frontline, to be serving disciples of Jesus, verse 7 offers us a lot of relief when it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It reads like this, take a deep breath, Christian, take a deep breath. God knows that you can't do this by yourself. You are simply an earthen vessel. You are fragile, you are fallible, 
You're even possibly going to fail from time to time. Ah, but take heart, Christian. God knows this. God doesn't expect you to be uh, as wonderful and as perfect and as capable as He is. He's the only one with the excellency of the power. He just wants you to keep promoting Him, keep shining for Him. Uh, love others for His sake. Just think about what you can do to serve, to give, to pray, to teach to others what you are learning in your life right now. To take what God is showing you and give that to someone else. You can do this, and Christian, the world desperately needs it right now. Desperately right now. And as you, like an earthen vessel, listen, as you empty yourself of the world's panic, the world's sorrow, the world's ugliness, and you in turn allow the Holy Spirit of God to fill you as a cup with His love, fill you with His light, fill you with His life, you will be such a useful vessel for God during this time. It is like Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Listen, you and I do not have a global platform from which to speak peace to the world, but each of us have a platform in our day-to-day -day lives where we need to minister truth and minister peace and minister and message hope to those that we are encountering on a regular basis. Make a difference where you are with those that you have been given to minister to. Now here's where it gets very timely and very descriptive to our day. Verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. What is this describing for us? Now watch this, watch this. Because we have received mercy, verse 1, because we are walking in truth, verse 2, because the light of the gospel of Jesus shines in our heart, verse 6, because we are earthen vessels carrying His excellent power, verse 7, well, given then the days that we are in, and as they have given us a glimpse, I think, of what the future of this world holds uh, in tribulation that is to come, you can make application from this, these verse 8 through 13 or verse 8 through 12, I believe, very easily. What is it? What is he saying to us? He's saying, hey, we're troubled, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're cast down in all of these things. Of course, the things that Paul faced in his day, uh, the, uh, the things that the early church uh, in their age faced are far more difficult than what we're enduring right now. I know that we're having some inconveniences in our life right now. I know that there are people genuinely sick. There are people that have died. But I would say to you that what Paul and the early church was facing in many of the times he's writing about, man, that persecution and that struggle and that hardship, much harder than what we're facing right now. But we're getting a glimpse church of what is to come at some point in a greater fashion in this world. And we can be encouraged in all of these troubles by seeing how those folks endured their troubles. There is hope in Paul's statement. 
here. He says, troubled? Yes, of course we're troubled, but we're not distressed by it. I love the play on words that Paul uses here. Literally what he's saying is, we're in a tight spot, but listen, we're not cramped up over it. You know, I mean, hey, we're not going to act like nothing's bothering us, but listen, we're not, we're not, we're not squeezed out here. We're not pressed down. Uh, we're sort of confused by some of this, but we're not at a loss. We're not hopeless. We may be a little pressed and pursued by the trouble, but praise God, we're not left alone. That's what Paul is saying in these verses. Did Jesus not say to us, children of God, in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. In verses 16 and 18 of John 14, he says, And I, pr I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he that dwelleth with you and shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And then in verse 27, he says something so precious and so dear to us. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this brings me to the main point of the message today. And I think, boy, it's been good so far, been encouraging so far to look at these, these passages of Scripture. And I thank God for His Word this morning. Like Peter said in John chapter 6 and verse 68, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. But now given what Paul has described, the ministry charge, the need to share the light of the gospel, the feeling of our earthen vessels with the excellent power of God, and the reality of the current crisis that we find ourselves in, Let's read these next verses and see if you can see what the Lord showed me as to why this current season has come upon us. Are you ready? Verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, uh, we don't look at the things which are temporal, but the things which are not seen, which are eternal. Now, did you catch it as we read that? I had asked the Lord this. I said, Lord, what is the reason for this outbreak? Why are we in this interruption that, this, that has interrupted our lives so much? Why is this going on? And did you see the answer in that reading? Well, look again with me at verse number 15. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. My child, it's as if God says, my child, it is for you. It is for all of you that this has come. It is for your sakes that my abundant grace may be known and that as a result of that, 
the abundant thanksgiving that your hearts will superabound in will bring glory to me. Do you see that in verse 15? I sat there and I said, God, why are we going through this? What is the answer? What is this all about? And in this passage, the Lord said, my child, my son, it is for you. It is for you that you might experience more of my grace. And that through that you might offer more thanksgiving. And that through that the world may see more of my glory. Boy, what an answer to the crisis. God has blessed us with an opportunity that is out of the norm. An opportunity to experience His abundant grace. An opportunity to return. The word redound there, it literally means to superabound in. We are to superabound in thanksgiving that he might receive all the glory. Now don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is not mere spiritual Sunday sermon talk that I'm using here. This is a message of hope in the midst of all the hype that we find in the world today. Now I'm not dismissing the reality of the problems when I say that. I'm talking about the hype that would bring panic and would bring fear and would bring, uh, you know, a sense of losing our peace of mind. This is a message in the midst of all of that. And God is saying to us, friends, that this season, this time, it has a purpose. It is that you will experience great grace and in return offer up great thanksgiving and all of that, that in the world, uh, that He will be glorified. It is for such a time as this. You remember in John chapter 9? When the disciples came upon the man that was born blind and they asked Jesus, they said, why was this man born blind? Was it the sin of his parents? Was it his own sin? Why did this happen? And Jesus' answer to them was this. John 9, verses 3 and 5, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, that's it this morning. That's it. That's the answer. That's what Jesus was saying to them. It has come, this has happened, so that, so that the works of God might be made manifest. Be light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I've got to work while, the, while there's a, a time to do that. And, and to us, to you and I today, the, the answer is be light. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and you'll be reminded of this ministry that we have all the way from verse 2 through verse 7. That is what it's all about. It's about be that light, be that which God has called us to be for such a time as this. And again, I think of John 11 and here Lazarus has died and Mary and Martha, the disciples, they're all puzzled, they're all heartbroken. And Mary and Martha are both asking, why Lord? And what was Jesus' answer on that day? John 11 and verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And I think it's right for us to consider the words of the song in this difficult season when others are asking why, when the lost are questioning God, when some believers are feeling distraught, and God brings us into contact with them. As the words of the song say, do they see Jesus in me? Do they recognize your face? Do I communicate your love and your grace? Do I reflect who you are in the way that I choose to be? Do they see Jesus 
in me. The world needs to see Jesus in us right now. By the way, what about all the other problems and troubles in your life? Not just the season of a coronavirus. Are they not all ultimately for the opportunity of the glory of God to be revealed in our life? Brother Lawrence in, his, in the book, The Practice of the Presence of God, in a letter he wrote concerning someone who was going through a great physical affliction, he said, God often permits that we should suffer a little to purify our souls and oblige us to continue with Him. Take courage. Offer Him your pains incessantly. Pray to Him for strength to endure them. Above all, get a habit of entertaining yourself often with God and, for, and forget Him the least that you can. Adore Him in all your infirmities. Offer yourself to Him. Beseech Him humbly and affectionately. I think of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And I really like this thought that I read some time back. Make an offering of your suffering. Make an offering of your suffering. Hey, child of God, whatever it is you're going through, it's not just the coronavirus. Hey, it's any trial, it's any tribulation, it's any problem, it's any trouble. Take that and make an offering of it unto God and say, Lord, I'm taking this trouble, I'm taking this problem, I'm taking this pain, and I'm offering it unto you, Lord. I trust you with it. I, I receive your grace and I thank you for who you are. So let me close this by answering a question. Because I asked the Lord this question as I sat there yesterday morning on that rock by that river. Boy, with great joy in my heart over the answer of the first question. It's all for the glory of God. And then I had this question. I said, Lord, how do we do this? How do we, how do we turn this time, this season, back into, how do we redound it to your glory, God? How do we do that? And I want to give you just four words to take away from the morning message. Four words that come out of those last verses. Some practical, helpful, doable things. Are you ready? Make a note of these if you would. And the first word is believing. How do we turn the trouble, how do we turn this back to the glory of God? Number one, by believing. Verse 13 and 14 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed. And therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Stay in your faith, Christian. Keep your belief strong in the Lord during this time. And the key to all that, the key to that, is your time in Scripture and in prayer. The world needs a Psalm 1 Christian right now. What do you mean, preacher? Psalm 1, verses 1 and 3, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in this season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I tell you, the world needs some Psalm 1 Christians right now, some people that will just stay planted in, the, in, in God's Word and in His truth and, and believe God. See, this is how we know what we know. I believe even in my affliction. Paul's quoting Psalm 116 and verse 10 in this passage where the psalmist says, I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. 
in my affliction, I spoke with God. I stayed close to God. I believed His Word. I placed my confidence in Him. So stay in your Bible. In fact, I would say to you, right now, make more time for God's Word in your life. This is a time where your belief is needed in the world. It is a necessity. And then there's this second word I would offer you. How do we turn all this trouble back to the glory of God? Number one, by believing. Number two, by worshiping. Worshiping. You see, verse 15 for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. That's the key in this verse, the thanksgiving, the gratitude. And it literally means the speaking of gratitude. See, it's not enough just to think it. We need to express it. The word is Eucharistia. It is, it is worshipful hearts expressing uh, uh, through praise, through song, but ultimately just to say thank you, Lord, for who you are and thank you for what you do. Thank you that we can trust you in our time of trouble. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 has this word in it. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And what's the result? The peace of God which pass with all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the world not only needs your belief right now, the world needs your peace right now. The peace that comes to you by your worship of God. Let me give you the third word. It's renewing. Verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You see, the truth is right now people are really concerned about the outward man aren't they? They're concerned about outward man stuff, whether it's sickness, whether it's food supplies, whether it's their retirement fund, so forth and so on. And I'm not saying that there are not legitimate concerns that people have, but I also know, as you do, that some of this is panic-driven. See, we have our belief, we have our peace, but we're told to add to that our strength. You see, the outward man is perishing. Most of you know a little about that, don't you? You know that uh, you can't do everything maybe that you used to could do because the outward man perishes. Beauty fades, physical strength weakens. But what a rejoicing it is to know that the inner man is being renovated every day by God. And here's the goodness of this in a season of trouble. We faint not. You see, we don't let go. We don't cower down. We don't have to shrink in the face of all that is happening. We don't have to throw up our hands and join in the panic. We faint not. We aren't distressed. We aren't in despair. We aren't deserted by God. We are not destroyed. I'm thinking of David after that battle of Ziklag again. When trouble had come and the families had all been taken hostage, been taken captive, and the men were so distraught that they wept and they began to speak of stoning David. And what did David do? He didn't panic. He didn't run away. He didn't quit on his men. He didn't quit on his family. Hey, child of God, he didn't quit on his church. Amen. But 1 Samuel 13 verse 6 says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. To encourage means to fasten upon. It means to seize. Sometimes it's a word that is translated as to lay hold of. And sometimes that word is, is translated as to strengthen. And so when David was in trouble, he by faith laid hold on God and he found strength in that time of trouble. 
You know what we need to be doing more and more as we see the darkness growing in our day? We need to keep on running to God. We need to keep on singing His praise. We need to keep on seeking His face. We need to keep on reading His Word. We need to keep on worshiping at His house and fellowshipping with His children. There is peace for those who trust in God. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Refuse to quit the struggle. God's not only the God of the mountain. Hey, he, He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of all danger. He's the God in the plains of battle. He's God all the time and everywhere. Let me give that fourth and final word. It's the word looking. Looking. When you come back to verse 17... Notice what it tells us. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, it comes back to this. The world and other Christians, they need your belief right now. They need your peace right now. They need your strength right now. But here we see, they also need your hope. They need your hope. What are you looking for today, child of God? What do others see that you're looking for in your life? We were coming back up out of the woods yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon, it, it, after a pretty intense hike and a pretty serious climb up a very rugged trail. One of the men was working his way up the trail, and like all of us, he's obviously ready to cross that finish line, take that pack off, and be done with it all. So I kept offering things like this. Hey, it's not that much further. You know, once we get up past that sign where the trail intersected, look, it's not far after that. Hey, look, it's not going to be as steep from here on out. The worst part is behind us. I'm not sure that he really believed me or any of them really believed me. But I'd quoted to him verse 17 yesterday morning before we began that long climb from the river down in the bottom of the gorge all the way up to the top of Table Rock Mountain. And it's a pretty good climb. But I quoted verse 17 to him. I said, hey, for our light affliction is but for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And, well, there is a physical reality to it. I mean, the climb, the challenge, the endurance of the trial, it does pay off. The scene from the top of that mountain is amazing. And you don't get to see that unless you make that climb. And what's more is confidence and strength and ability all grow from pushing through and making that climb. Well, it's like that and more so in our spiritual life. Paul said this light affliction, affliction is developing us for exceeding an eternal glory. And isn't that what it's all about? Glory? Not ours, but God's. You see, that's what this season is about. It's about bringing God more glory. What an honor. What an honor we have. So keep looking for that finish line. Don't miss the incredible journey that you're in right now. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look for the restoration of all things, don't we? We look for the day when the calamities are past. We look for not the temporal things, but the eternal things. What's that? Well, everything you can see now, everything you can discern with the eye, all that's temporary. It's all going to go away. It's all going the way of disease and death. 
But the eternal is coming. It's coming. You know, chapter 5, verse 1 reminds us, if we lose it all here, friend, we've lost nothing if we've committed everything to Jesus Christ because He's promised to restore everything. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I close with this passage, Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 and 5, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne, boy, think about the glory of him on the throne. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. Amen. The world right now is looking for the answers. But we have it. We have the one that matters the most. Now you have the answer. Now you know why this season is upon us. It is that we might experience more of His grace, that we might offer more thanksgiving, that He might receive more glory. Now you can go and you can offer that answer everywhere you go to everyone you encounter. It's about the glory of God. Child of God, give them your belief. Give them your peace. Give them your strength. And give them your hope. Let's pray together. Father, what a joy it is to look at these verses of Scripture together, to study this that you have given us in the Word of God, to be reminded, Lord, of your love, your grace, your goodness. I pray you bless your people as they receive the message today. God, may it just meet their heart in the places where it is needed most. And may we go from our time of learning today and those that we encounter help us to offer this message the reason for this season. Why has all this come upon us? Lord, it's for your glory. And it's so that we might shine for you in a time of great darkness. We love you and we pray and receive your gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, each and every one. Continue on with him today. Amen.